Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast of Community Bible Church. Serving the Rogue Valley from Central Point, Oregon. We are a multi-generational family. Equipping believers to be adopted in, growing up, and reaching out through the gospel. And some of you are looking up going, you know, Pete's coming up now. Why can't I go out with the kids? Uh, family, I, I wish you had a chance. You, you've, you've seen this part of our, our worship service this morning. But we started in an ABF in the back. And, and there Len Jacobson led us. Uh, in, in a study of God's Word, and he, he used something that, that should be an important trigger for all of us, and that is the, I, the idea of landmarks. He says he can go into the city of Vancouver, and he knows, even though the, the place has changed dramatically over the time that, from the time he lived and moved away to now, he could still go in and knowing a few streets, knowing the locations of some of the, the landscape or, or being close to the water, he can navigate through because he knows the landmarks. And as we're studying God's Word today, that was our, that's our goal, is I believe that once we know the landmarks, we're able to have a greater confidence in our salvation. Um, Tommy talked about the idea of being prepared. And uh, that was the thing that he thanked Spencer, is that he was able to take his faith from an, an infant or elemental faith, the faith of his parents, and the faith that he just simply chose to believe, and then personalized it through the study of God's Word. He was able to answer the tough questions. He was able to go in and search for himself. He then gained confidence, and so that... His faith became His faith. And I would say that that's one of the, the incredible desires of anyone who teaches God's Word, is that we wish to strengthen your faith and confidence in salvation. Family, I will tell you one of the great concerns of any elder, any teacher of God's Word, is number one, is the fear that you would lack confidence in your salvation. But there's even a second one I believe that would even be more fearful. And that's to give you a superficial understanding of salvation. So that being ill-equipped to enter eternity, thinking you had all of the necessary marks to enter into an eternity in the arms of Jesus Christ, you entered into the eternal flames of the punishment of hell. And I would believe that, that those kinds of things, we don't want to be superficial in our teachings of, of, of God's Word and give a false impression of what belief is. And the desire to strengthen your faith is a constant concern for all of us. So as we look at landmarks today, as we look at the importance of of having a faith that, that's yours dynamically, we come to this question. Uh, can I trust my salvation? And you have to understand the, 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 the promise that I can give you is, looking at Scripture, the answer is yes! Yes! And yet at the same time, it's natural. 
for times when you question, do I really have it? And I would suggest to you, there are, there is essentially three times. Number one, we all will struggle. Bible refers to it in 1 Corinthians as carnality. You, you will have a time when the priority of sin takes a higher precedence than the priority of Christ, and you're not as you should be. We all hope that that's a short period of time, but that does happen from time to time. It would be a natural thing for you then to question, do I really have salvation in Jesus Christ? And so Paul gives us the idea in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13 to examine, to test ourselves in verse 5, to see if we really know, love, and follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A second natural period of time is a time when you as an individual find life stressful or anxious. And you come back in these tough moments and you look around and say, wow, can I trust this life decision of knowing and following Jesus Christ as Savior? And often it's a short period of time and your confirmation of your faith is strengthened. But it still is a natural time of questioning. The third is when we approach death at any time whether it's our own moment or whether it's the moment of a loved one. And can, can we trust salvation? And I want to assure you, many, many will be uncertain as they face that first step into eternity. But I also want to promise you, no one will question it on his second step. We all know at that point, salvation's real. Salvation is all that it's promised to be. And so the greatest thing that, that, that any person responsible to teach God's Word wants to do is to strengthen and to equip faith. And from time to time we get this question, can I trust my faith as we think of, ask me anything? And so our goal as we began last week is to, to look at the landmarks and if we know the landmarks as well as we can, we can trust the salvation that the landmarks ultimately point to and signify. And we talked about a few of them last week. The first, we don't understand the value of mankind. Mankind is a significant milestone. Family, sometimes we forget the value. And especially when we read what's going on in today's world. Both science and science fiction are doing much to try to minimize you. Alright? Science wants to minimize you through that wonderful mathematic equation, ooze plus goo equals you. And the evolutionary idea that ties us to all other things in the world, we're just the product of a single cell equation that went wrong Lightning hit it at the wrong moment of time and it started to breathe and think and became all living things. Well, once you're all living things, you've really taken a major demotion. Science is also looking for any chance to find anything alive in the universe. And family, we've not found anything. Anything. Anything that rivals humanity. 
And when you and I understand that from the moment in Genesis, God created mankind, us, to be the caretakers of this planet and to have a relationship with Him that Genesis simply describes us walking with us in the cool of the day. No other relationship in the universe, even that with the angelic world, rivals what God wants with mankind. Family, that's an important landmark. The second landmark we looked at last week, we don't understand the ugliness of sin. And we use the the idea in in Romans chapter 3, it says, no one understands. And and I, I simply raise the question, have you ever done anything that you thought was the right thing to do? You worked it out, you planned it out, you had the best of intentions, and when it was all said and done, you then look back at it and went, wow, did I just sin big. Did that ever happen to you? Old Testament, Second Chronicles chapter 13. David wants to bring the, the, the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem. So he takes a new cart and he makes it just for this moment. And I can imagine what it was. I mean, he put all of the finery, all of the artisanship that he could have at that time so that that, that cart was going to be everything magnificent, wonderful, a treasure. It would have gone into the museum of time. This was the ark, and this was the cart that brought the ark into Jerusalem. And family, as the ark moved along in the cart, the oxen stumbled, the cart malfunctioned, the ark of the covenant is tipping, And Uzzah just simply reaches out and he touches the ark. And God kills him in his anger. Read the text of Scripture. Two verses really stand out. One is, David is mad at God. Two verses later, David is afraid of God. Alright? An incredible juxtaposition. But what David didn't do, all David had to do was to go back to the law. And to see how God expected the Ark of the Covenant to be treated. You carry it by two worthy Levites. And you don't touch the Ark. The right thing. The love of his heart to the Lord. The love of his heart to do the right. Becomes the wrong thing if it's not done God's way. We don't understand the ugliness of sin. We need to recognize what the Bible teaches us ugliness for us to really understand and appreciate the incredible treasure that salvation is. I want you to notice thirdly as we looked at last night or last week we 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 don't understand the holiness of God. Now that story sometimes if you you look down and say lord that you are really hard on Uzzah. And yet at the same time God is holy, so holy that he looks at our lives and says you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And so we struggle with what it means to have a relationship with a God who is so far above us in holiness and wonder that a Peter, as we mentioned last week, could be challenged over an issue of where he threw his nets to catch fish. 
And what stunned him was his unworthiness to be in front of a holy Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we understand humanity, as we understand the nature of sin, as we understand the holiness of God, and we see these landmarks, all of a sudden we have a clearer understanding of the incredible, precious gift of salvation. Fourth, we don't understand the friendship of Jesus. He says He's a friend of sinners. Forgive me, but that's my kind of God. That's the one I need. He's a friend of sinners. And so we find Jesus identifying with us. From His birth to, to His death, in fairness, He identifies us so closely that there's not many moments in His life that we can identify Him as something unique and special. He looks like plain, old, ordinary man. And that's what we see over and over and over again when we read the Gospels. We see ordinary Joe. We see just a guy. So the, Nazar the, the Nazarenes, well, he's just Mary's son. Even to the point of the Pharisees challenging him. We know our mothers to challenge him about his pedigree. But family, none of those things does he defend. He identifies himself so strongly with us that on the cross, he says, God, why would you forsake me? His identity is totally and completely with us so that he becomes our substitute on the cross because of his identity to us. We now understand and appreciate again the power and the wonder of a gift that we call salvation. Now today we, we have a chance quickly to go through these last landmarks, milestones that help us grasp what it means to appreciate our salvation. And I want to suggest to this, we don't understand the union with Christ. Now family, allow me to take a quick tangent because I can't preach on it and it's a wonderful time. We have one of our core values adopted in. And if you understand when we talk in a moment about union with Christ, you're going to understand we're tied to one another. If I encourage you to take a concordance today and, and one of three phrases, in who or in whom, in Him, and thirdly, in Christ, you'll find 75 times in the writings of Paul show us our union with Christ. Right. And we can't be established in salvation unless we're united with Christ. But here's where the tangent comes in. When I'm united with Christ, I'm united with you. Because you're united with Christ. And please understand what that means. In today's world, church has become nothing more than a commodity that we come and we get. We get our worship. We, we, we get a sermon, if that's something special. We, we get some friendship with people. 
we, we get an emotional feeling. But unfortunately, that's not accurate because the Bible calls us one body. 1 Corinthians 12. A, a building. Ephesians chapter 2. And that building is a temple. We're united, brick and mortar, to be a group of people tied together in worship to the cornerstone Jesus Christ. We're tied to one another. And I look down and go, but I don't even like you. And you look back and say, I don't like you either. But we both love Jesus, don't we? And all of a sudden, I have to go home and I have to pray. Find a way. Find a way. Find a way. And usually, it doesn't take too long. And all of a sudden, your story, your life, your struggles become unraveled to me. As mine become unraveled to you, and all of a sudden you look down and go, oh, well, that's Pete, and I love him. And I go, oh, that's so-and-so, and I love them. Oh, And I can't imagine not being bound to you. The union that we have, the body that we are, is a precious commodity. It is a treasure that we both use to God's glory. But let me share with you, that tie is to you and Jesus Christ first. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So family, Paul saw life. When you and I embrace Jesus Christ and we are in Him, your story gets changed. Whatever you were is erased. Whatever you are identified, good, bad, or ugly, is gone. You are Christ's. You are partnered with Christ. And the Father sees the holiness of Jesus. Not you and I. Paul keeps that theme alive in Ephesians chapter 1. He says in Ephesians Chapter 1. Oh, excuse me. I'm, I'm ahead of myself. And the reason I say that is probably because Kathy's going to yell at me in a minute. So <laughs> this verse has got to come up on the screen or else I take it. I'm going to take it on the chin later on today. I want you to see this. Notice what, what Paul says. He says, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and notice, be found in Him. Rubbish. I count it all as dung. I count it all as human waste. I'm the leading scholar in Jewish heritage. Nothing to me. No importance. I have a family heritage that makes me a Jew of very Jew. Nothing. Don't consider it important. Don't want to be known by it. Anything that he is praiseworthy, I don't want to be known by it. All I want to be known is, be, 
in Him. I want to be identified. I want to be unified. My salvation so precious that I want to be in Christ Jesus. Family, what an incredible, incredible privilege this represents. We are intertwined with Christ so closely that our bond is in partnership. What an incredible treasure. He then finishes it, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Here, the in Christ is identifying that confidence, continuous faith that I have when I trust the work of Christ alone. And I am living in total submission to Him. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now family, now I want to take you, to, to, if you will, to, to Ephesians. And we have a, a continuing. We're, we're blessed by God the Father who says this, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, understand, all that we have as we look forward to eternity, we only have because we are united with Christ. So all of the blessings that we anticipate, we have them because we are in Christ. What are those spiritual blessings? Let me suggest it this way. Through no effort on your part, Pretend with me. You own not only a U.S. passport, but you now own also a Jewish passport that gives you the right and privilege of entering Jerusalem to enter Israel, not as a citizen, but as a Jewish citizen. You've never been to Israel. You've never appreciated all that. You, you don't understand even all of the history that it entails, but you are a citizen there. You have all of the rights and privileges of any other citizen there, and you already have it. Now the day's coming that you will arrive there at the center, and you will hand the passport to the individual, and without question, debate, without wonder, Welcome, citizen. All that has been waiting for you, you already own because you are in Christ. What an incredible privilege. As if to maximize that, he tells us later on in verse 13, he says this, in Him... Remember? United with Him. Partnered with Him. Poured into Him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Now family, we don't have any, we don't have any treasure heritage that illustrates this any differently or better than the idea of engagement. Anyone who is married has an engagement story. Good, bad, 
Every one of us do. I, I was joking last night that mine was ugly. I, I, I botched the whole thing up. We're still married. 43 years, been wonderful. But I'm I locked the ring in the glove compartment. <laughs> then I forgot the key. So, so as I said that, everybody's laughing last night. Somebody comes up and well, yours is better. At least you got a ring. Mine told me we were getting married in a month, and I didn't even know it. I sensed a little bitterness there, but I didn't open the door. But family, all of you who have had that moment in time in marriage where you've gone through the process of an engagement ring, I pull mine off now, my, my wedding ring, I want you to understand, the moment that the man at least illustratively gets down on a knee and says, be mine, be mine, and that ring goes onto the finger, to some degree, it's already done. Yes, there's a planning. Yes, there's a preparation. Yes, there's a change. Yes, there's a, a new vitality to the relationship that will only get enhanced with two words, I do. But all of the rights and privileges, the ceiling, if you will, has already occurred because you now wear the mark. You wear the seal that this day is coming. And the Bible says that when you and I are united with Christ, when we're in Him, you have the promised Holy Spirit that guarantees the day will come when as we talk about in communion, we will celebrate with Jesus all over again. That, that we will have all of the rights and privileges that we just talked about, the blessings of heaven itself. Why does that happen? It happens because when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and accept all of His work and no confidence in ours, He gives us a relationship that's in Him. Eternal and vibrant and wonderful. Family, let's talk quickly. Our sixth we don't understand the eternal wrath of God. And I want to suggest to you, we even talk about hell as a place, and I believe all of those things. I believe it to be eternal. I believe it to be an ugly place. You will not see anyone. You will not have a relationship with anyone. You will be alone. But I want you to come back and understand the hellishness of hell is twofold. The hellishness of hell is hellish. Because you will be eternally under the wrath of God. The second reason that hell is hellish, you will never be able to reach out to God for help or comfort or solace. Hell becomes hellish no matter what the details are, no matter what the location is, and I would even suggest no matter how long the length of time is, it is hellish because you are under the wrath of the Almighty, Eternal God. And family, I believe we don't understand that today because we often minimize its impact. And yet, it's one of the first things that, that draw at least some of us to faith. 
The first time I ever heard hell, I promise you one thing. I knew where I didn't want to go. Alright? I knew, I knew where I didn't want to go. Now, that day didn't bring about my salvation. But it certainly started my journey. And I wanted to know more about where I could end up that wasn't that place. Until I understood that heaven is heavenly because I'm there with my Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be anywhere where Jesus was. And so family, some of us are, are, are naturally aware. But when we don't understand the, the punishment, we miss out. Tommy talked this morning about his theological ability to talk with, to identify with, to, 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 to argue with the Mormon community. Within the Mormon faith, there is no hell. Hell is reserved for only one who rejects Mormonism. Murderers make it even to the terrestrial kingdom. And the terrestrial kingdom is much like planet Earth, except good. Well, I, can, I don't mind living forever in a, in a cleaned up world. Alright? The Jehovah's Witness believe in a form of annihilationism, as well as the, the Seventh-day Adventists and, and some Christians. They just believe that... If you haven't accepted Christ Jesus, it's over. You don't wake up, you don't, you don't have anything more, you're just done. The lights are turned off. But the problem is, is that's not what John taught. And to not take a full sermon here, let's just spend time on one verse. Are you ready? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, John understood that there was a, a hell. John understood that there was an eternal punishment. John would speak about it later on in Revelation. And whoever was not found in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And as we understand the wrath of God, we begin to understand and appreciate the love of God that offers us salvation full and free and wonderful and complete. And we know that we don't have to hold on, strive to do better, hope to clean up our act, pray that our good outweighs our bad. None of those become concerns as we lay ourselves only and completely on the sufficiency of the grace of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. I want you to notice one last. I think from time to time we don't understand the demands of a follower. So one of the questions that, that led us to our, our series was, what, what happens to the individuals who make a claim to follow Jesus Christ, they accept salvation by Jesus Christ, and they promptly walk away, never to see their actions follow the Lord, never to see behaviors change, never to see anything that would identify themselves as a Christian whatsoever. Now family, even before I even start, I want to leave a proviso. You ready? Ain't your job to judge. 
Anyone who's ever done a funeral knows that what everybody's waiting for, the pastor, the speaker, whoever is communicating, they want to hear that their family member is in heaven. The last thing that we can tell you, we're going to put somebody in heaven unless the, the treasure of salvation is an obvious milestone and marker in their lives. We can't do that. You and I, unfortunately, can't judge. And having been in, having been, I've had some wonderful stories. Dave comes uh, on Saturday nights. Dave had a chance as a 60 plus year old to be out talking to his neighbor as they got the mail together one day. And it, the conversation turned on faith in Jesus Christ. And Dave looked to Tony. And Dave said, that's what I believe. That's what I believe. I accepted that when I was 17 years old. That led him back to here at church. And he's faithful here. And, and COVID has led to a number of apologies. Oh, I hate missing, but... And yet at the same time, an intimacy that allows him to evaluate his salvation. So family, I want to understand, I can't judge the heart. I wish the Lord had allowed me to be the fourth member of the Trinity. You're out. You're in. You're okay. I would. Don't, don't, doesn't anybody wish that? Come on, let's be fair. I'm not the only arrogant one in here. There are times when we all want to do that. You're not given that privilege. You're not given that privilege. Now, let's go with what the Bible says. And make certain that we're comfortable here. I want you to understand, we need to grasp that we accept Jesus Christ by grace and grace alone. You will not fix up. You will not complete the process. You will not add to anything. You will not do anything. You will embrace salvation because salvation is offered to you as a gift. A gift alone and a gift in completion through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So even He says in John chapter 10, verse 27, I give them eternal life. Paul picks up the same confidence in salvation in Jesus Christ when he says in Acts 16, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. So family, Christ's work is everything. In asking us to repent, His call cannot be completely done on our effort. We'd only erase the slate and start over as we, last, as we talked last week. We are sinners, and though the cross breaks sin's power over us, we will still act from time to time in a sinful manner. After saying that, Jesus doesn't want any misunderstanding. He wants, to understand, wants you and I to understand that when He offers us salvation, there's an expectation. And so He says to us in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, If anyone comes to Me and does not hate his own father and mother, 
and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He says it again in verse 27 in a different way. Whoever does not bear his own cross. In other words, who doesn't prioritize life in such a way that you are crucifying yourself to all of the things in this world and come after me cannot be my disciples. We're going to look at two illustrations, but he closes the illustrations with this final bookend in verse 33. So therefore... Any one of you who does not renounce all he has cannot be my disciple. And so family, in between these bookends is an in two incredible illustrations. The first is a homeowner. And a homeowner looks at his bank account before he starts a building program at the house. You don't add a tower to your home unless you've looked at your ability, having saved up enough money to finish the task, you don't even start until that happens. Alright? By the way, that gives you and I as Central Pointians a wonderful example. Can anybody explain to me the house as you drive to the end of Hazel, take a left on 3rd Street, and look at that house up there in the corner? I've been here for 26 years. All right. If that's not an illustration of where we're going today, wow. All right. I'm praying that before God take me, He puts the last coat of paint on whatever He's adding there. And if you're visiting today or watching on Facebook, I'm sorry. I'll help, but I'm sorry. The, the second is this. No king attacks another country unless he evaluates his military strength and then comes over before the attack and debates, can I win this? Is it winnable? Now family, we've used those illustrations for many things, none of which really identify the two bookends. The bookends are is, I want everything. I want everything. And he looks at us the same question given to us by illustration. I'll transform your life. I want everything. I'll win the battles. I want everything. So he wants everything from us. Now let me remind you. Does he mean hate on human level hate? No, he loved his mother. Let's be fair. On the day he died on the cross, he looked to his mom and said, Mom, let John take care of you. John, take care of my mom in death. There's a responsibility. But the statement deals with priority. This is an all or nothing proposition. Jesus is saying that to be His disciple, a person must put Him in first place over all loyalties, relational, material, and personal. Family, you ask yourself, well, wait a second. I didn't know that when I signed up for salvation. Let me pause for a minute and go back to that marriage illustration. Forgive me, but I want you to understand 
Kathy may have understood all of that it meant when she said, I do. But I want to assure you, I didn't. That sickness and in health thing, man, I thought that was euphemistic. That better or worse thing, well, I knew her earning potential back then, but she's really let me down over and over again. Didn't make anything I thought she was going to. All right, I could say I do to all of that, but what was it done? It was done in absolute naivety. But I was willing to take that wherever it meant. Often when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't know where the journey's going to go. I've now been married 42, now almost 43 years. Right, honey? Okay. <laughs> almost 43 years. You know, today I understand I do. A whole lot more strong, wonderfully and completely than I did then. I would suggest to you your salvation is much the same, isn't it? You accepted Jesus' offer of salvation. You didn't know where the journey was going to take you, but you trusted it. And so family, you might ask yourself, what kind of person would make this demand? I'll tell you who would make it. The incarnate God who gave you a perfect Salvation through His perfect work. And He says, Come unto Me, all you are weary, and I'll give you rest. And family, those of us who know and love and follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ may have times of uncertainty, moments when it just doesn't seem to make sense, but you quickly spring back because you know the landmarks. And in knowing the landmarks, you have a comfort, a confidence, and an assurance that you know that your salvation is trustworthy. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Community Bible Church. Follow us on Facebook to keep up to date with all our latest content. Thank you.